1: Welcome to the Zwift to the Front Podcast, Episode 6. I'm your host, Christophe Mallet. And uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, listen to this uh, podcast on SoundCloud. You can even download on SoundCloud. You can subscribe to this podcast if you want to uh, catch up on the previous episodes. Just be alerted when there's a new episode coming up, which is basically daily so you can subscribe on uh, iTunes and also you can uh, schedule some rides with uh, Zwift Uh, and uh, coming up in this podcast uh, today if you ever wondered how many bikes are on the cars and many other technical details about uh, a team we talked to the technical specialist from BMC but this is coming up in the program now it's time to welcome our co-host today or my co-host today is Dave Mackenzie Dave you're back
2: again in this podcast you're getting used to it I'm loving it, I mean, I, 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 my wife says to me, you, you can talk with uh, your head underwater with marbles in it, so yeah, it's true, I hate to say it, but I'm loving it. It's kind of true. Uh, so yesterday we had a bit of a discussion about
1: uh, uh, the fact that I wanted to buy you water and then you didn't want any water.
2: I know, this is crazy. Can you, can, peeps, can you believe this, who, who are listening to this? Obviously you're French, that's pretty damn obvious. You do not drink wine. What's what's going on with that? I don't touch the stuff. (laughs) And so last night, we're at the dinner table. We go to hand you the drinks menu to all of the French wine. We're thinking, the Frenchmen will know. And you're like, no, no, I do not drink wine. (laughs) I drink beer, though. So so, so then the question is, you live in Australia,
1: what beer do you drink? I can't give any brand, but what I can give away (laughs) is the fact that I'm, you know, that snobbish attitude French people might have with wine. I tend to have this with beer as well. So something that a beer that starts with V and ends with
2: a B, for example, oh I would God. not touch this. Oh, oh okay, okay, yeah, all right. So you got, yeah, you're a little bit of a snob.
1: Yeah, yeah oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, <laughs> I, and I and I and I fly it every day home if you want. Uh, and I I, lo- I love a good microbrewery beer. Uh, so I, I take I take respect I think in the fact that I I do like a microbrewery beer and I would. I mean, if it was a run out of meal beer, I would rather have sparkling water to be
2: honest. All right. So look. Okay, that's cool that you like microbeer, but you're still not excused for not drinking wine. That is terrible. You've got 15 days to convert me. (laughs) All right, game on.
1: (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about the stage yesterday. We always knew it was going to be an incredible
2: climb, and we were not disappointed. No, we weren't disappointed, were we? Um... What did it tell us? That's the real question. Who who did it it tell us that is the strongest? Um, Chris Froome looks good. Richie Port looks good. And Aru looked very good. But they gave him some leeway because he was down a bit. I don't think they'll give him that much rope uh, in the future as we head into the bigger mountains. But, you know, it told us that. And even, and you know who else? Dan Martin. I thought he was good as well. So let's let's have a listen to uh, Aru, because uh, it's interesting. I've asked him the
1: question. Last time Froome won here. He won the Tour. Last time Nibali won here, he won the tour. Does that change his expectation?
3: Tonight, I just want to share this win with the team. But tomorrow is another hard stage. That was uh,
1: the winner of the stage yesterday, Haru. Is he
2: a real contender for the yellow, you think, or not? I think so. Look, the, the time trial is his Achilles heel. Uh, when it comes to the likes of Chris Froome and Port because Port's on good form with the time trialling at the moment. So that's his Achilles heel. I mean, at the moment, you know, I I interviewed him as well. And, uh, you know, the big thing key for me is he's hardly raced this year because of injury. He was meant to do the Giro d'Italia. He had to withdraw from that. So that was his major goal at the beginning of the year. So he's had a year that's been really changed up. So he comes here fresh in the head, fresh in the legs. And sometimes I think that is the best recipe, you know, and uh, it could be a blessing in disguise. So I think, believe it or not, we may still yet see the best of Aru in the next couple of weeks. So it makes him a danger man.
1: What we were expecting to happen, happen. Chris Froome is in yellow. Uh, So there's been just a switch at the top because uh, Garen Thomas is now second. But at the end of the day, we are middle of the first week. Chris Froome is already in yellow let's have a listen to Chris Froome
3: yeah good day I mean interesting day uh, we were we were
2: happy to let the break go and uh, just fight it out uh, between the GC guys at the back but I think BMC had other plans um, to try and bring the stage back and for Richie Port to try and go for the stage win Fabio Roux rode a great ride uh, I think he he attacked at just the right moment and if anything we maybe gave him a little bit too much space but having said that I think from our point of view we can be really happy we're still first and second on GC myself and G, and uh, it gives us options going forward.
1: Clearly he felt comfortable on that climb Uh, he really pushed what do you make of his performance?
2: Yeah look he was he was rock solid wasn't he um uh, you know he he had to launch that attack when Aru went away so he wasn't scared to launch an attack Port followed Dan Martin followed Quintana got dropped so He's confident. I'll give, him, I'll give him that. And he's confident with the next two weeks ahead. And, uh, again, I spoke to him as well. And I, I said, are you ready to fight for this yellow or wear this yellow all the way to Paris? And he said, absolutely, I've done it before. So I've been in this position before. He's a lot more confident than when I remember first interviewing him at the Tour de France, which is obvious. We know why. But... Um, that's that's a big plus on your side, isn't it? He's been here. Richie Port hasn't been here. Dan Martin hasn't been here. Um, you know, Quintana hasn't won the Tour de France. So all of these guys, he's just got the wood on them at the moment, hasn't he? Absolutely. We'll talk about Port
1: in a second. But you mentioned Quintana. Uh, Quintana, Quintana was dropped in a, in a climb. What can we read in this? Because you know when it's when it's a kick climb like this, it's not usually favourable for the pure climbers anyway they don't really like this they like stages where you get one two three big tops not just one at the the end can we
2: read anything in the fact that Quintana was dropped uh you you make a good point there and look to be fair uh, yeah a short climb like this doesn't suit Quintana the high high climbs and and at altitude because he's you know coming from Colombia he lives at altitude they suit him better so I think he will ride better in the other climbs but He will not win the Tour de France. I can say that now. He will not win the Tour de France. We've seen Quintana better before, and he didn't win, so he's not going to win it now. Do you think he knows that? Uh, Do you think I should go to Movistar, Team Bus, and go, uh, newsflash? Do you know you're not going to win the Tour de France? (laughs) You might as well um, pack up and go for stages. No. Uh, I think he does. I think, he, I think secretly in his own head, whether or not he's telling his team that, I think deep down he probably realises he hasn't got the, the form. And, you know, again, I'll defend him if I can or play devil's advocate. I still maintain you cannot race to win the Giro d'Italia and race to win the Tour de France in the same year and do both. And and that's that's the problem. That That's what he's done. And he tried to do it, and it's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely, Richie. Quite good performance with
1: Richie Porte uh, and from BMC as well. You know, there's uh, there's been this saying about as he got the team, as he got the team. BMC has performed earlier on in the stage, which basically you
2: and I we talked about it. But it shows some confidence, proper confidence. He did, and look, when I spoke to him yesterday, he he was upbeat. I was. Um... I was almost surprised. He was upbeat. He was just, he was like, yeah. He said the team did good. I tried to slow them down, tell them to slow down a bit through the valley and we took up the chase. Obviously, he said they actually went quicker and they went—they were really good. They were strong. So he, was, he talked really positive and he talked about the pressures now on for him to hold that yellow jersey. So I think he's comfortable in the position that he's in and I must say I'm comfortable with the position he's in. Would have been great to see Port win that stage and take the yellow, but in terms of... There's only one yellow jersey that's really important, isn't it? And it's that final one in Paris. So I think he's in a better position for that. You can argue this; the important one is the one in Marseille, actually, but I'm just being pedantic. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the French, There yeah, you go again. We like things we... Yeah. Isn't that the Swiss? Whoops. Yeah, maybe. You don't know. Maybe I'm not French. Uh,
1: let's have a listen to Richie Port. actually.
2: Yeah, look, I can't uh, say any more for my team. They were incredible today. They took it up and... Uh, You know, I think we kind of took it to them. But, you know, in the final there, um, you know, I really slipped away. And, you know, I'm still happy with my ride, um, you know, for the first mountain stage. Uh, Kind of expected a little more, but uh, it's, it's a long way to go.
1: So that was Richie Porte straight after the stage. So what's the shape of that tour for him now? And what, what what does he have to do to climb? Because he's fifth in the in, uh, in the general classification, thirty plus and so on seconds behind Chris From. So it's not it's not bad. It's not like you mentioned earlier on. He's in a good position, but where to attack next? Because to climb those thirty seconds
2: back to a Christopher Froome in yellow, that is one tough job. It is a tough job. You know what's you know the other interesting part about this, and this is. Uh, you know, how dare I say, does he ride a negative race? Because he follow. Let's just say, for example, hypothetical. He follows Chris Froome from now all the way to Marseille. Follows him. Does, doesn't really attack him. Doesn't lose any more time. Doesn't let Chris Froome get bonus seconds. Irritates him. It's like a tagger in football. Just tags him. Just tags him and eats away at him. Richie Port won that time trial in the a Similar distance to the one in Marseille. And he ripped about 30 to 40 seconds out of Chris Froome. Now... In the third week of the Tour de France, it's a different story, but I would say I would bet my money on Richie Porte in that TT against Chris Froome. So does he do that or does he attack? It, for sure, he will look for opportunities, but I still, I still maintain he's in a great position to win this Tour de France. Can he do both? I think he can. I think he can. I think we've, we've seen a glimpse of today, but look, this climb has suited Froome in the past. We know that. He's won here. You know, It's only, it's only the third time they've been up it, so... The climb uh, suited uh, Chris Froome. Um, the other climbs, and in the next couple of weeks, who knows, we'll see. One, uh, one of the good news for Australia is uh, Ulrich Scott, of course, and the white jersey, which is on, on the shoulder of a Brit, but it's someone yet. That, that's good to see, you know. Uh, good to see him get the, the white jersey. Chavez, he lost a bit of time. Uh, I think that was expected. I think, and we've got to be fair with Chavez. He's had a bit of a rough shot, actually, hasn't he? He's had a rough shot this year, and um, what happened a few days ago, I think I mentioned it in the other podcast, uh, he's terrible for him. He lost, uh, tragically, a good friend of his. and So I think he's going through the motions a bit. So, uh, you know, and he's in day five, day six of a, of a grand tour. So uh, we'll cut him some slack. But Simon Yates, they'll, they'll really look forward to challenging for that, to hold that white jersey, Orica Scott, And they'll also look forward to pushing Yates up the the GC leaderboard. Okay, well, we'll take a short break. If you ever wondered how many bikes are on the tour, then
1: stick around. We'll have the answer for you in a sec.
0: Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun, and some friendly racing just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today.
1: Uh, welcome back to the uh, SBS uh, Tour de France podcast. I am here with the chef mechanic for the team BNC, uh, Jean-Marc van der Banger. Hi, Jean-Marc. Hello. Let's talk uh, mechanics today. Uh, let's talk material. Let's talk gear because that, uh, that basically interests a lot of our, our public. There are so many bikes
3: coming with you. How many bikes do you carry all around France? Totally. We have, uh, we have nine riders here and each rider has like five bikes five bikes that means three road bikes and two bikes for the for the TT for the time trial so uh, totally makes uh, 45 bikes
1: is that regulated by UCI or by uh, by the, the regulation of the of the race
3: no it's not uh, it's not regulated but uh, we have two cars in the race and uh, we have uh, all the bikes each time on the roof so when there is a breakaway or a rider drop down or there is a crash that the second car can give another spare bike to the first car. How much uh,
1: work goes into those bikes? Because they are the Formula One of the roads, okay? In terms of getting them in pristine condition every morning ready for the race, I guess all the bikes are ready, maybe not the time trial for a mountain stage, but all the available bikes are ready. How much work does that, do you work overnight on this?
3: No, we don't work overnight because we are uh, very well organized. Uh, we have uh, a cleaner, and hydraulic cleaner with us. We have uh, the high pressure with us. So uh, we are with four mechanics also. Uh, I'm working myself as head mechanic with three with colleagues. So uh, it means normally it takes one hour before you get to the hotel and then uh, like two and a half hours work. It means more or less nine o'clock, nine thirty, we are ready. And in the morning usually we have the breakfast 6.30, 7 o'clock. We have a a small briefing together, but normally everything is done in the the night already. So in the morning we just pump up the tires and we put the the bikes on the roof. But it's not only the the bikes, we have also a whole car park. We are here with nine cars and they have to be cleaned also. So one guy takes also care that the cars are clean and tanked, and Vapo inside. Uh, yeah, this is our job. Is there um,
1: different specifications per rider? So Richie, for example, would want a certain selection of gears uh, against another rider that might want something completely
3: different. Well, uh, during the years, this changed a lot. Uh, before, uh, this was harder uh, because you, when I. I'm um, 24 years. It, it, I think it's my 30, uh, my, my 20, 23rd Tour de France. And in the beginning, we are 8 gears in the back. Then it went 9, 10, and now we are on 11 gears. So that means the, the biggest gear is the 11, and the smallest is the 30. Which you can do, actually, all stages of the Tour. So the riders have all the gears they want. So uh, no stress about this. And the front we have generally 53 big chainring, 39, small re- chainring and we can just go to 34 or 36 in the hills. So normally this is uh, this is okay. Uh, they are all on the same gears, the whole team, because uh, if a teammate have to give a wheel to Ricci it's important that he had also the same gears how do you avoid stuff that has happened last year for example
1: with when we saw Chris from running up the hill with no bikes how do you manage the fact that you at the best of your ability always have a car behind the rider that needs to be helped or not
3: well this is uh, this is always uh, we are always afraid about this there is always more and more people and uh, I think the tour the Tour de France is a little bit. You know, uh, it's so successful, and uh, sometimes they can't control it themselves. But also, uh, it's good for the sport that there is so so much people. But yes, uh, it's like you say, uh, you can be so close as possible. But sometimes this this will happens maybe one in ten years, and uh, of course, but. Like in the Tour, they do they do 100% they can for the for the security of the riders.
1: Do you carry special bikes, like a, a yellow bike, if uh, Richie actually suddenly gets the, the yellow jersey or a white bike or special celebration bikes?
3: Yes, we have, uh, because all the sponsors, uh, they know uh, the Tour de France is the biggest picture of the year. So uh, they all come. So uh, we have each frame size, we have yellow with us. And we have also like uh, yellow saddles and then bottle cages and yellow bar tape and yellow uh, all those things. Uh, and uh, we really hope to use this. I wish you all the best for this. In 24
1: years, you must have seen the technology come from prehistorical age to the top of the technology right now. That must have been quite rewarding for you. But I must also you probably have had to adjust your skills, I guess.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, like my first years, there are steel bikes. After they became aluminium and titanium bikes and then the carbon came. And also the wheels, they, they changed a lot from steel to uh, alu and now uh, also to carbon. And uh, instead to have 45 bikes, the first years I came with 18 bikes. So it's a, it's a big, 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 big challenge and a big difference. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like we said also, the, the, there is more public coming through, there are more cars, uh, everything... Uh, there is more work but it's also more comfortable to work and one last question once the tour is
1: finished what do you do with all these bikes so you're going to keep the winning bike from Richie port i guess in a museum somewhere but what do you do with the rest of the bikes
3: well uh, these bikes are all new and normally uh, the goal is uh, because these uh, these bikes here are actually the new 2018 frames who came out already for next year because they want to promote it here in the Tour and they shall normally finish the race, uh, the, the season on uh, on this bike and then it's up to BMC if they want to do something like on internet that they say these nine bikes from the Tour riders you can buy it on internet or uh, or I don't know, maybe for something like for a cancer foundation or something like this. These are things that they do sometimes.
1: So if people are interested by uh, Richie Port's bike at the Tour de France they should follow BMC, there might be something going on uh, like every year after They might be available at some point
3: yes maybe this is possible
1: thank you it was really lovely to uh, talking to you okay we'll take a short break and we'll come back in a minute
0: zwift has group rides for all levels with a ride approximately every 30 minutes you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level group rides stay together behind a leader they enjoy friendly banter a relaxed vibe a little bit of fun and some friendly racing just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today.
1: Uh, welcome back to the Zwift Tour de France uh, podcast and uh, we'll uh, have a look at what's coming up tonight on your screens on SBS. Uh,
2: what's coming up is hopefully some sunshine again uh, because it's been lovely yesterday. Oh it's beautiful isn't it? We've we've so forgotten the start in Düsseldorf and I say that with respect because it was great for the grand depart in Germany for the first time in 30 years but wow it was a wet one wasn't it? So uh, no this is just beautiful. I'm loving the sun. I'm loving the sun on my back I'm telling you. Oh yeah totally and and this is how we feel like now we're on the tour. It's July, it's the holiday season in France and most of Europe or all of Europe and the sun should be out and it is, so it's good. And I'm sure that top uh, finish yesterday as well sort of clicked it on for everybody. Oh, it does, doesn't it? I, I was saying, you know, to my, my, our other colleagues at SBS, I said, if you're a fan, if you're just a fan and wanted to go to the Tour de France, I tell you, the one place you've got to be, one of the stage finishes has to be a Mountaintop. It's a stadium atmosphere And it is just, there is nothing else like it. Tonight, it will not be a mountaintop. We're
1: going to Troyes. The stage starts in Vesul, going to Troyes. It's a relatively, what do we say about the length? 216 kilometres, but it's definitely a finish for the sprinters.
2: Yeah, it's a long one. It's a long stage. Anything over 200 is considered long these days. Um, And it is, as you said, it, it is a day for the sprinters. And so you know what happens now post that aftermath of uh, Peter Sagan DQ'd, Mark Cavendish is out, two guys that really would have, well, definitely fought for the green jersey. It opens it up big time. And so this is one of the last chances, I guess, for the sprinters before we hit the big, big high mountains. And so can Dumas now consolidate his lead or will someone else like Michael Matthews for example come into the mix um, Nasser Buhani, the other Frenchman we've sort of forgotten about him a little bit haven't we? Yeah he was frustrated like
1: no other when De Mar won a couple of days ago uh, I mean I've heard him on French radio saying he were, for him it was almost unacceptable what Demar did and the wave and, and that
2: stopped him from winning he's got a bit of attitude Bouhani he's, he's got a major attitude and you know what we're saying we're saying if it was Bouhani that was in Sagan's shoes some of us would have said absolutely DQing because he's known to be a rough sprinter himself. They don't like it when it's getting served up against them, do they? They've got a bit of attitude, all of them, actually. <laughs> Wait,
1: all of the Frenchmen or all of the sprinters? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what can we expect for, for this stage? 216k, should, should this go fast or not? Uh, uh,
2: yeah, good question. I think, I think we'll see a breakaway again and I think what we will see is the sprinters' teams control it. 100%. You know, I cannot see the sprinters teams letting something go too far out. And so far this year, if I use the right words, they've been really disciplined in keeping these brakes, you know, on a really tight leash. They haven't let them blow right out. Yes, we saw that lone breakaway go away the other day and he took, you know, he went out to 13 minutes, but he was one rider. That's why they gave him a lot more leeway. A group of six, eight, ten riders, they're not giving them much room at all. So I'm really expecting sprinters teams to control, a little bit of help from the yellow Jersey and, and then a mass sprint at the end.
1: Actually, the X-Rider um, in you, I've got a, qu- a question. My, how does the peloton know when it's time to just react and put the gear up and then go and try to catch a breakaway? Because it seems that the, the, when you watch on TV, is okay, a few guys go, they let them think they can do it, they just hold on at the back, and at some point something happens, they go, okay, go on and then they just catch them 1K, 2K away from a... Is that to frustrate them no hand
2: or not? Yeah, look, it's there's a few elements to it. And it's funny, there's some interesting discussions on that and why and how, and, you know, it's it's a bit sterile, some of the fans are saying. And someone said on social media to me the other day, race radios, should. don't you think they should be gone? And in actual fact, I've spoken to a lot of the teams, and they say, you know, we don't give the riders too much direction we just give them information so they give them information of time checks but what people may be forgetting is the riders without race without radios from their director sportives they'd be getting information from race organization with in the form of the motorbike with the blackboard so they just know and the general rule that us commentators and analysts always go by and the riders go by is one minute per 10 kilometers you know, so if it's five minutes, 50 kilometres to go, they're going to catch them. If it's one minute, 10 kilometres to go, they should, they should still catch them. You know, if it's over that, then there's, there might be a chance. The advantage can sometimes slip into the favour of the breakaway. Actually, I think the good chat on radio, and I think
1: we should have a longer chat at some point in the pod about uh, the impact of the radio system in the teams, but should we have the radio... Played out on TV, like we have in Formula One, for example. Oh, gee,
2: they might have to um, filter it. <laughs> I am sure there'd be a few beeps and butts, but no, I think so. I, yes, uh, yes, I think they can put snippets. I think they should, and you know, obviously the teams would be aware of that beforehand. So, you know, there is certain things that you know they'd have to come to an agreement where the teams say, "Okay, you can't, you can't suddenly put everything out." And but I think it can be done. If F one can do it, come on, let's not be too precious. Cycling, we're not as big as F one, so I think we should. Absolutely. Well, that's one for the future. So, uh, once again, the, the stage tonight like going to Troyes. One for the sprinters. Like every day, your pick? I'm going to double up. I'm going to say Demas again. I think he's on a roll. He's in great form. We saw what he did at the Criterium du Dauphiné. We saw his stage win already here. The first Frenchman to win. His first win in the Tour de France. It's his third Tour de France. That first time he's won a stage. I think Demas once again. We're going to have a problem because I'm going to pick them out as well. So who's going going to buy the
1: the wine or whatever? We might have to share. Well, no, I'd be just happy if you actually drank a glass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Thanks. It was, uh, again, great to have you in the podcast. And then uh, look forward to uh, see you again around the tour. And this is it for us. Uh, as mentioned before, tonight we are headed to uh, Troyes with a very fast stage and a very fast finish, probably. And let's hope we're not having a drama like we had a few days ago in Vitel. This is the end of this podcast. I'm Christophe Mallet. I was your host for today. Next episode will be, as usual, tomorrow morning. But on behalf of the, all the SBS crew working on this podcast, it's Au revoir. For now.
0: Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast every day of the 2017 Tour de France. You can ride and listen to this podcast by joining SBS group rides on Zwift. Guys, go and check it out today. Visit zwift.com to learn more.